0: Vindicated. Yep, vindicated. That's exactly how I felt because shortly after we released Emergency Contraception Part 1, which was a podcast right before this one, which is Part 2, you know, we posted that on one of our social media outlets. Well, a very seasoned, very educated nurse, actually a nurse manager, posted on that thread, hey, wait a minute, well, this is interesting because I thought this was illegal in some parts of the country. I mean, this you couldn't do this kind of pregnancy termination. Well, wait a minute, what? We're not talking about pregnancy terminations. We're talking about emergency contraception. And that's exactly what we said in the intro for part one. There's so much misunderstanding and misperceptions about what emergency contraception is and what it isn't. That's why we did this part one and part two session. So in this episode, we're going to review part two of emergency contraception, which has some very real world questions like does weight or BMI affect the efficacy of a pill and who should take emergency contraception? What if they have a contraindication to traditional birth control pills? And when do you have to redose a dose? Yeah, redose a dose. Yeah, that's exactly what I meant. Redo a dose or redose a dose. So, we're going to talk about all of those real world questions and get into and wrap up part two of emergency contraception right now. Just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence based practices because medicine moves fast. This is Clinical Pearls. All right, podcast family, let's get right into it. Does BMI affect efficacy of hormonal emergency contraception? Well, depends who you ask. First of all, according to the American College of OBGYN, oral emergency contraception should not be withheld from women who are overweight or obese because no research to date has been powered adequately to evaluate a threshold weight at which it would be effective. However, there's more to it than just that. Levonorgestrel emergency contraception, or the Plan B variety, may indeed be less effective in women who are overweight or obese. In fact, levonorgestrel in the United Kingdom does carry a warning that in women over 165 pounds, its efficacy may be severely limited. Additionally, data also suggests, but it's less clear, whether BMI affects ulipristol as well. Now, as of right now, Ulipristal seems to have a higher forgiveness, in other words, a higher efficacy across BMIs compared to Plan B or Levonorgestrol. So, if there is a weight effect with Ulipristal, it seems to be at a much higher absolute weight. We're talking about 195 pounds compared to the 165 pounds of Levonorgestrol. So for these reasons, most favor ulipristal as emergency contraception over levonorgestrel. But it's all about pros and cons, right? The benefit of levonorgestrel is that it's over-the-counter, and you don't have to wait for a doctor's visit or telemedicine to get a script. You can just go to the store and get it without age restriction, and that's fantastic. However, ulipristal seems to be much more quote, forgiving of larger BMIs, and its efficacy is the same, regardless of when it's taken in the 120 hours, whereas levonorgestrel seems to be much more effective the closer that is taken to the act of unprotected intercourse. Some authors have suggested to get around this whole BMI thing, if a patient is above a certain BMI, well, that's basically 25, and definitely if they're over a BMI of 30, and they choose on taking levonorgestrel, even though there's not a lot of data behind it, some have given expert opinion, in other words, that's level C opinion, that they should take two plan B's. In other words, three milligrams of levonorgestrel at once to try to make up for the BMI effect. That is a consensus opinion. And again, there's not a lot of data for that, but I kind of do like that approach. So if a woman is over 25 BMI or definitely over 30 BMI and she chooses to use levonorgestrel, it is safe to take two plan B's, 1.5 milligrams each. In other words. Three milligrams total together to try to make up for that weight discrepancy and that's totally fine with very little side effects outside of the potential for some increased nausea at that level of levonorgestrel. Now what about in women who have contraindications to traditional hormonal birth control? Well everyone agrees that emergency contraception should be offered and made available to any women who has had unprotected or inadequately protected sexual intercourse and who don't desire pregnancy. Any emergency contraceptive regimen can be taken even in women who have traditional contraindications to the use of conventional oral contraceptives. Reproductive age women who are victims of sexual assault should always be offered emergency contraception even if they have some medical contraindication to traditional birth control use. So again, as a clinical pearl, according to the CDC and ACOG, remember, there is no absolute medical contraindication to the use of levonorgestrel or ulipristol for emergency contraception. Now, what about nausea and vomiting? Well, that was a much bigger issue with the USP regimen that was a combination estrogen and progestin because those were very high dose. And anything high in estrogen, of course, can trigger nausea. But, levonorgestrel in some very sensitive women, especially at the 3mg dose, may potentially cause some nausea. Nausea is less of an issue, however, with Ella or the Ulipristal option. If a patient takes Plan B and does have vomiting and within 3 hours of taking the pill, then another dose of emergency contraceptive should be taken as soon as possible. And in that case, they can consider taking an antimetic to try to prevent it from happening again. But once again, the recommendation is that if vomiting occurs within three hours of taking any emergency contraceptive, although it's much more common with levonorgestrel than with ulipristal, then a redose is required. Patients always ask what follow-up is needed after emergency contraception, and the truth is, according to the college, there is no scheduled follow-up that's required. However, clinical evaluation is definitely indicated by any woman who uses emergency contraception if menses is delayed by a week or more after their expected time or if lower abdominal pain or persistent irregular bleeding develops. And lastly, as we wrap up this quick part two, a quick word about starting traditional hormonal birth control after emergency contraceptive. After Gestrol, any form of oral hormonal contraceptive can be started immediately after the use of levonorgestrel. Now that can be progestin-only methods or it can be traditional birth control, but they don't have to wait in order to start it. However, they should of course abstain from sexual intercourse or use barrier protection for the first seven days. However, for olepristol, because it functions as an antiprogestin, according to the FDA and according to the American College of OBGYN, you should delay initiating hormonal contraception until five days have passed after the use of olepristol acetate. All right, podcast family, that wraps up part two on emergency contraception. I really do hope that that helped to clear up some misinformation and misperceptions regarding the use of emergency birth control. As always, we're thankful for you and thanks for being part of our podcast family. We'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls.